When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty. A minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. LaFleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to LaFleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. You're in the Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoins, on lui fait perdre la rondelle, une passe devant. Et c'est la victoire des Canadiens. You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup! Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6 beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to the Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. It's going to be sick. Marinero on this Thursday night, December 29th, 10.02 p.m. Eastern, and the Montreal Canadiens lose in Florida versus the Panthers by a score of 7-2. 7-2. They got destroyed again. And uh, it's a funny night tonight because uh, everyone's out on on Twitter, on social media. And now they're 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 giving it to Marty St. Louis and this and that. My buddy Frank Cavallaro, the weatherman, the guy with the big cuckoos, you know him. Frank says, "Ah, oh, Marty St. Louis is inexperienced, is showing. He should have pulled out Samuel Montabo. He left him in there for seven goals. Pa-pa-pa-pa-pa. Here's the deal: the goalies knew their schedule." They knew what their work rate was going to be. Jake Allen played last night in Tampa. Samuel Montembeau played tonight in Florida. Whether he was going to give up four or whether he was going to give up eight, he was staying in goal because Jake Allen is going to play again on Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. when the Canadians visit the Capitals in Washington, which will be their third game in about three and a half days. That's just the way it is. It's the life of a backup goaltender. It's not always pretty. It's not always easy. Every now and then you have to take your lumps, and every now and then you got to stay in goal when you're getting lit up and your team is absolutely nowhere to be found. 
That's it. That's all. Now St. Louis taking on, but he shows he's a peewee coach. He shows he's a bantam coach. He shows he's a midget coach. Look, the Canadians are the, look the way they're falling in the standings. They're falling the way I told you they would be falling. Do people not pay attention to me when I talk or what? Do it. I've been saying it now for three weeks, four weeks. I said it here on the Sick Podcast. I said it on Premier Contour with Jean-Charles Lajoie, BPM Sports, 91.9 on your FM dial in Montreal. Quebec's all sports radio station, number one all sports radio station. I said it on GC at TVA Sport on television. I said from December 17 to January 5th, this was when the Montreal Canadian schedule was going to get tough. And in my opinion, when all was said and done, when that period would be over, the next day, January 6th, the Montreal Canadiens would find themselves in 27th spot in the National Hockey League, maybe even 28th. And you know where they are right now? They're 26th. They're four points up on Arizona, who has three games in hand, and they're four points up on Philadelphia, who has a game in hand. And whether Arizona or Philadelphia are going to win their games in hand, I don't know. This is what I believe, though. I believe the Canadians are in for another long night or long afternoon, Saturday afternoon in Washington versus Ovechkin and the Capitals. I believe it's not going to be much easier when they visit the Nashville Predators on Tuesday, January 3rd. And then a couple of days later, when they come back from those dreaded long road trips, their first game back is going to be versus the New York Rangers. And I just have a feeling that the next day, January 6th, the Canadians will be in 27th or 28th. This was to be expected. The Canadians spoiled you at the beginning of the season. Samuel Montembeau stood on his head. Nick Suzuki was producing at an unbelievable rate. Cole Caulfield was producing at an unbelievable rate. Um, they struck lightning when Kirby Doc joined that line. Sean Monaghan was giving the Montreal Canadiens some good performances. And you know what? The Canadians were working hard. They were competing. They were this. They were that. They overachieved. Then, unfortunately for them, they ran into some injury problems, and the Canadians are a team that is short on depth. They're not good enough to begin with. So then when you have injury problems, it affects their depth even more, and then they take a hit, and then they go on these long road trips, and then you lose a couple of games, and then the confidence goes down, and then you end up losing even more. And at one point, your effort's not even there all that much anymore because you've kind of thrown in the towel, and that's exactly what's happening. We saw it during the Dominic Ducharme era, we saw it. At one point, they realized they weren't good enough. At one point, they realized that not only were they not good enough, but they were depleted with injuries, and then they were going on the road, and then they were going up against better teams, and then they fall behind the eight ball early on in the game, and then they're very, very fragile, a bad penalty, whatever, a goal against at a key time in the game, and then it's over, and that's what happens, and that's what happens. It's the Sick Podcast. I'm Marinaro, brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, if you're in transportation, sales, customer service, operations, HR, or admin, well, the good news is that Energy Transportation Group is hiring for all positions. It's a good thing because if this podcast one day doesn't work out, I'm going to work there. All right. 8.6 beer. Intense. Like me. By nature. The beer for those. Oops. 
who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. And Lacage, if the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup back in 1993, it's time you go back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. As a matter of fact, I was there the way I told you I would be yesterday at this time. I told you that today at noon, I was going to be at Lacage de Carry. And today at noon, I was at Lacage de Carry. And I said, for the first 50 people that'll show up, if you're up to 50, I'm paying your lunch. Uh, I'll pay your beverages. I'll pay your dessert. I'll pay everything. Now, you know, I we weren't that many, but it was nice to meet some people who did show up today. Some people probably thought I was like joking around, didn't think I was actually serious that I was going to be there, didn't think probably that I was serious when I said that you can pull up a table next to me or pull up a chair next to me or sit next to me or sit beside me or whatever, and we would sit down and we would talk and this and that. Some people probably didn't believe it. When, when I say things, like, I don't, like, that's it. If I say it, it's going to happen. That's it. I told you it was going to happen with the Canadians. They're not good. And, and people that believed they were good, even though there were so many signs that they weren't good, they're right? Good. You know, those yeah. people that didn't believe that they, they didn't. Now they're, they're like, they're, they're shocked. They're, they're rattled. They don't know what to do anymore. They don't know what to expect. They don't know how to react. And now I'm getting a text message. This is the best part. This is the best part. I got a text message from, uh, from my buddy Marco Rizzi who once upon a time used to play for the Montreal Impact, right? Uh, he's in town visiting family because his family's from Montreal. He lives out in uh, in Cleveland, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And he says to me, um, the Habs need to tank for Bedard. Future is bright. We can see it. But it's all about the rebuild for the next couple of years. And I write to, I wrote back to him. I said, yeah, no poop, Marco. I've been on this Connor Bedard bandwagon. I've been on it already. Let's go. Six more points tonight. Seven last night versus Germany. Six tonight versus Austria. And an 11-0 win for Team Canada. And uh, he's already tied the, uh, the the Jordan Eberle's record of 14 goals at the World Juniors. He's got 27 points at the World Junior Tournament. The guy who picked up the most points at the World Junior Tournament for Canada is none other than Eric Lindros. He had 31 points. Now, Bedard is eligible for two more World Junior Tournaments. He won't even have to wait that long. This guy's going to pick up at least four more points now. He's going to break Eric Lindros' record. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something, all right? We talk about this guy, that guy, Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, uh, Alexander Ovechkin. I'm starting to think that Connor Bedard's the best hockey player I've seen in my life at his age since Wayne Gretzky. Like, I'm starting to think, like, is it not Lindros, not Crosby, not McDavid? I'm starting to think he's the best player I've seen at his age since Wayne Gretzky. Tonight, he scored from, like, an impossible angle with a wrist shot. Like, he was looking one way, but he was thinking net and thinking goal. And he's got this thing right now, which is, you, you it's unbelievable. It's that he knows the second he's going to release a puck, He's going to score. One guy I'm sure can talk to us about this, the hockey game, the power play, the struggles, and so much more. He was an assistant coach in the KHL up until last year, but he wanted to come home and be uh, closer to his family. And so now he's picked up a position as the assistant coach with the women's program with Le Carabin hockey team. Mitch Jaguer, what's going on? Hey, what's up, Tuna? Hey, you're on fire tonight. Hey, I'm on fire all the time, my friend. I'm on fire all the time. Uh, you know, listen, the reason why I'm on fire is I had a very good read of this team, a very good pulse. I don't always do, 
But when I feel it, I feel it. And I, it, it, it just, I find it mind-boggling how many people thought, oh, they're, they're going to make the playoffs or they're going to make a run for this. And I said, listen to me. Listen to me carefully. It's bottom 10 for sure. But more realistically, bottom five, bottom six. That's where they are now. They're 26th out of 32. And like I said, a couple of more games. And don't forget, losing is contagious. If they lose, they're going to end up losing more. Then all of a sudden, some guys are going to get hurt. They're not going to rush them back either. Other players are going to get traded between now and the deadline. It's probably going to be four players. And if they trade Jake Allen, they're really not going to win a lot of games. Anyway, I, I'm, I, you know, I, I had a pretty good pulse of what was going on. And uh, it's playing out the way I thought it would play out. So uh, it's my chance to tell people. No, you're right. And at the beginning of the season, uh, same channel as you, 91.9. Uh, I was saying they probably be last 10, maybe 12. I said uh, they're going to be maybe outside the uh, top 10 for, for Bidar. Uh, but obviously, they're they're not doing good so far. And like you said, they, they struggle. And it's going to get worse, I think. And uh, when they're going to trade some big names, obviously, things not going to be pretty. So don't be surprised, people. Mitch, take a look at this lineup. If Agnello and Sammy back in master control can put it up. And by the way, want to thank everyone for showing up at the cash, the carry today. Those who did, we met some great people. We have some fantastic support. We knew we did. And uh, we'd like to see you all again going forward. Not only the same people we saw today, but even much more of you. So, or many more of you. Suzuki, with Doc, was back on that line on the right wing with Caulfield. Dvorak, Gallagher, Slavkovsky. Um, you know, I thought Slavkovsky was better tonight, by the way, for what it's worth. That's what I thought. Uh, Evans with Anderson and Hoffman and Drouin centering Armia and Dadunov. Dadunov in back in the lineup in for Anthony Richard, which tomorrow morning is probably going to be on the first uh, page of the uh, the French Daily Paper. They're not going to be happy with that because a good Shenu set out and Evgeny Dadunov is in. Uh, on defense, Edmondson, Gouli, Jackai, and Kovacevic, Harris, and Barron, and Samuel Montembeau got the start and goal. And, of course, Michael Matheson and David Savard missing on the blue line for the Montreal Canadiens. The number one line, Mitch, the production has gone down. Marty St. Louis split up or, or took Doc away from that line at one point. He even took Caulfield away from Suzuki at one point as well. Tonight he had them back together, but their production has dropped in the last six or seven games. And coincidentally, during that span, Sean Monaghan's been out with an injury, and I think it's no coincidence. No, it's not. And 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 the thing is, when you try to jungle with your lines, uh, it sends a message to the opponent that you're not sure about what you're going to show and to your team that, okay, everything was all right since the beginning of the season. But now uh, when we struggle, instead of figuring out how we can get better, we're just going to split and hope that we find a solution. Uh, I, I, like when you show the, the lineup, we, we have, let's say, let's put it that way. We have a real first line. But we don't have anything else. They no. don't have anything else. So as soon as you put, let's say, the best pairing out there, uh, so let's say tonight Eggblad against that number, that top line, you know that nothing else is going to produce from any line. 
You know, you have Joe Droy. And Mitch, if I can, yeah. just one second. This is why I've wanted the rebuild. And, you know, a lot of people in 91.9 FM and my buddy Jean-Charles not happy, happy with me and saying that I got a loser attitude and a defeatist attitude and all that stuff. I'm just being realistic, all right? Sean Monahan will be traded. Christian Dvorak is not a number two centerman. Jake Evans is not a number two centerman. Once they trade Monaghan, they don't have a number two centerman, all right? And and that's, you know, that's why you need to, to draft, you know, at one or two or three or four, top five if you can, so you can get someone who's going to be that centerman. Like Owen Beck, I haven't seen enough of Owen Beck to convince me that he's going to be a number two centerman at one point. What I do know after talking to a lot of scouts is this, a lot of people believe he's going to be a fantastic number three. So, you know, and, and, you know, what if the Canadians can go out and get a centerman who actually becomes the one going forward and Suzuki becomes the two for so many reasons. I want the rebuild. I think you just said it. They're a one line team right now. And look at the lineup. Okay. So let, let's put it that way. The second and third and fourth line, how many players from the second, third and fourth line will still be a Habs in three years or maybe five, none or mostly Agnello and Sammy, let's bring back up the lineup if we can one more time, okay? And let's keep it up for a second, okay? So let's take a look at the lineup. And I know a lot of people are probably saying, yeah, but Tony, you forgot about Kirby Doc. He could be the number two centerman. There's been nothing so far to convince us that he will be. What we do know is that he's the best right winger they have on the team. And until proven otherwise, he's the guy on that line. Now, yeah. I, did they get him for center? Yes, I believe they did. But still, there's no guarantees. Look, come on. If the Montreal Canadiens end up drafting Connor Bedard, he plays center in the National Hockey League, he'll end up being the number one centerman. If they end up drafting Fantilli, he'll most likely end up being their number one. And if he doesn't, he'll be their number two for sure. If they end up drafting Dvorsky, well, he'll be their number two centerman for sure. So these are the reasons. Now, you asked the question, how many guys on the second, third, and fourth line are going to be on this team within three years. So let's go down the list. Slavkowski, yes. yes. Dvorak, once his contract is up, uh, no. Knowing that they have Owen Beck, I'd be surprised that Dvorak will be here. When his contract is up, I believe in that final year, they'll trade him at the deadline. Gallagher, we know that if he wasn't making the money he was making, um, he would have been gone by now. Uh, and, you know, at the money he's making, they'd have a really hard time trading him. But even if Gallagher is here, he's a shadow of himself. Yeah. Jake Evans, fourth liner, very replaceable. Josh Anderson, underachiever. Mike Hoffman will be gone next year. Dadanov will be gone by this deadline. Drewing will be gone by this deadline. And Armia will be gone by next year. So the only guy really is probably going to be Slavkowski. Maybe you can make an argument for Anderson if you want, but one guy, two guys. So you probably have five guys. So let's put it that way. Anderson stays. You have five guys out of 12. So yeah. you still need to find players that can be in the lineup and not a fourth liner or not third line. You need top high-end skills, high-end players. And, okay, you can sign UFA, you can trade, but still, do you want to be just, like, in the mix between, like, mid-pack 
and always be close to make the playoff and pray, cross your fingers and close your eyes. Oh, we're going to maybe we're going to make the playoff and maybe we can surprise in the first round when in reality they did it one year with Carey Price. But the last time was what the Carolina, uh, what, 15 years ago, maybe this yeah. is it. This is it. You have to to win the Stanley Cup. It's not you don't have to finish first. You have to be ready in your last let's let's say 20 to f- your last 20 15 games of the season. This is where that's the most important one. You have to be ready. You have to already play playoffs game and your your team has to be tuned in. And 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 again, how many times teams that are finishing first did not win the Stanley Cup? Look at the last 15 20 games of the team who's won the Stanley Cup. Usually they are at their best and they're getting ready. If the Habs, Habs will probably know if they're making their, 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 their playoff at their 81 or maybe 82. Los, a- Los, An- Los Angeles and St. Louis are the best examples of that. Yeah. They, but they got really hot in the final couple of months. Let's put it that way. St. Louis, look at their team. They were not, supp- and don't get me wrong, what they did was amazing, but they were not supposed to be dead last. And I think it was what, January? Yeah, 3rd of January or whatever it was. Third. But but again, the Habs doesn't have the goaltenders. Don't they don't have the defensemen yet. And up front, they even if we said they have good names as forwards, they underachieve. And after their first line, there's no offense there, sadly. I look, I I, I hear you and I, I totally agree with you. And and this is why I think you can end up getting a couple of players in the draft. Mashar and Beck will probably be here in a couple of years at the forward yeah. position. And, uh, you know, in the meantime, the fourth line, you could end up patching it up, right? You can have a Rem Pitlick on a fourth line. You can have an Anthony Richard on a fourth line. A fourth line is very replaceable. It's not the end of the world. But that second line centerman or that guy that's going to be that first line centerman or that first line right winger is so incredibly important. Like, if you don't have top two line players, you're right. You're not going to end up winning the Stanley Cup. I believe the duel of Gordon and Hughes will win the Stanley Cup one day. Very impressed by what they've done. Very impressed by the hiring of Gordon. Very impressed that Gordon hired Hughes. Very impressed that Hughes hired St. Louis. Very impressed with the team that they put together. Nick Bobrov, the the jury is still out on him. I want to see how some of the draft picks do because I wasn't blown away with who he was able to draft in New York with the Rangers, but we're going to have to wait and see there. But for all the people who are are, are coming on coming down hard on Marty St. Louis, I mean, folks, get a grip. Marty St. Louis is the perfect coach right now for this team in this kind of situation, in this rebuild. He's going to end up being a very good coach in the National Hockey League. This guy's a hockey lifer. He's going to be a coach for a long, long time. He's going to be involved in the game for a long, long time. And you know what? One day, if you say no to this guy, he's going to end up with the Tampa Bay Lightning after John Cooper, and he's going to end up you know, showing you how good a coach is. You're you're being patient with some young players. Be patient with Marty St. Louis. And Marty St. Louis also is taking orders from people above him who want to rebuild and stuff like that. So, you know, a lot of people are getting on. Well, I can't believe he split up the Suzuki and Caulfield duo. Look, maybe he split them up for a reason. Maybe he was told to split them up. Maybe he was told to split them up. Maybe he split them up because he knows that when he goes on the road, he has the... He doesn't have the last line change that you just put a line on them and you stop them. So now he's trying to get a second line going. I mean, uh, Marty St. Louis is not a problem. Uh, Gordon's not a problem. Hughes is not a problem. What's a problem is, like you said, 
they don't have enough good players who are going to be here for the next several years. And that's why they have to go out and get more. Period. That's it. And and if I can add on, on this one, where in the standing was the Montreal Habs uh, before St. Louis get on board? They were dead last or yes. last bottom five. So how in the world we can imagine that because we have a new coach, everything will change when at the end of the day, it's basically the same lineup or almost. We still don't have Weber. We still don't have Carey Price. We still like Caulfield, um, Suzuki. They're getting better, obviously. But at the end of the day, it's kind of the same lineup. So he cannot do some magic trick. So we, we need to calm down uh, on, oh, they're going to make the playoff and they're going to win the Stanley Cup. No, it's a long way. And you need to have a lot of luck first. But you need to have a good team that can compete night after night against the top team in the league and at the moment if their first line is getting shut in down there's nothing else that can happen if it hasn't become apparent to everyone by now that losing games more games between now and the end of the year will end up being a blessing for the long-term future of this organization if folks if you're not convinced by now I don't know what it's going to take. You know, I got a message today, and I got this message yesterday too as well. Uh, and I got it actually on my Facebook Messenger because this is what people do now. They, they, they Instead of sending me an email, <clears throat> which, by the way, folks, if you want, you can send me an email, okay? Tony at the sickpodcast.com. All right? Tony at the sickpodcast.com. But instead, what people do now is uh, they send me Uh, they send me messages on my uh, on my uh, on my Facebook. All right, they send me messages on my Facebook, and uh, someone sent me a message telling me that um, you know, no way the Canadians can get uh, Connor Bedard. Uh, the National Hockey League's not going to allow it. And I got I got the same message yesterday. Like, what does that mean? The National Hockey League's not going to allow it. If the Montreal Canadiens, if if They end up winning the lottery, and they're getting the first pick. I mean, the, the National Hockey League is not going to stop it. Edmonton got the first pick in 2010, 2011, 2012. Did the National Hockey League stop the Edmonton Oilers? Then why would they stop the Montreal Canadiens? Come on, stop talking stupid here. Come on, we got to <laughs> stop talking stupid. No, and, he, and he's so good. That kid is so good. Like, I, I watched him playing at 13 and 14 years old when he was playing with uh, West Vancouver Academy. And, and he was underage, and he was by far, by far, the best player out there, not even close. And I, I watch, I, I remember when the uh, U-17 was uh, in uh, Drummondville. I, I, uh, I went there with my wife and we, we watched uh, um, Connor McDavid. So he was 15-year-old and uh, playing against 17. And he was so good. But at that age, I think you're dead on. Connor Bedar is what he can bring. It's a lot. Now, How he's going to do it in the NHL? That's that's another question. The transition and everything is, it's always a, a big question mark. But what he's doing at the moment, it's beyond and above any kind of expectation. Even if yesterday they were saying, oh, he he, he did uh, what seven points, so he tied the record of uh, the amount of points. Oh, that was easy playing against that team. Yeah, but he was still the only one who was doing it. So if it's that so easy why there's any other players 
that made that amount of points. Like he's already at what 14 points, 12 points in three games this year. So for that kind of player, if and don't get me wrong, as a coach, you don't want you don't you don't ask your team to lose because at the end of the day, you're getting judged on how many wins you're gonna have throughout the season. And the players always strive to win and they always try to get better. But at the trade deadline, the Montreal Canadiens they will not be the same team. They're going to get worse. So this is why you need to almost put Jake Allen out there as much as possible with his, the season he got this year. You're having great chances to be in the top five, maybe top three, and yeah. maybe winning the lottery. I, I, I trade Jake Allen, like I said, because if you end up trading Jake Allen, you're not going to pick up too many points between now and the end of the year. Mike, who's on YouTube Live, it's two nights in a row that Mike is doing this. Mike, I've never met you. You're probably a really good guy, but some of your messages over the last two nights, you're really starting to play with my sanity, bud. You're, you're starting to play with my sanity. Tony, stop hyping Connor Bedard until he plays competition at the World Juniors. Mike, he plays for the Regina Pats as a 15-year-old. He picked up 28 points in 15 games. As a 16-year-old, he picked up 100 points in 62 games. As a 17-year-old this year, he's picked up 64 points in 28 games. He's producing at a higher level than Connor McDavid did. He's already tied the Team Canada goal-scoring record at the World Juniors. He's four points behind the points record. He's got two more World Juniors that he can play. He's got 14 points in his last three games. And I don't care how terrible Austria is. And I don't care how terrible Germany is. Because there's one player tonight that got six points, and it's him. And there's one player last night that got seven points, and it's him. And everyone who's played for Team Canada at the World Juniors in the past, they played versus some really bad teams. And there's some, been some really big names. And they didn't pick up points like this guy. Now, if you don't see his ability to shoot the puck and to find top corners, then I don't know what to tell you. In the meantime, do me a favor. Watch the podcast. Listen to the podcast. Follow along. But for my sanity, for my health, and my blood pressure, please don't send another message in the next week. Because if you do... My heart might stop, and I don't want that to happen. My wife, well, I, you know, I got a pretty decent life insurance. You know, who knows? She, I think she wants me to stick around to. You know, I think she wants me to stick around to. Anyway, my God, I can't believe some of the things I'm reading. Like, okay, he, Tony, you're he the got man. Nine goals. Thank, thank you, Mike. Okay, thank you, Mike. Mike, thank you. You got nine goals in hundred, uh, hundred five games in the dub. Ninety goals in. 105 games. That's a lot. This he's the best 17 year old I've seen since Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, like he's the best young. 17 year old I've seen. Am I am I losing my mind here? Is that too much of a, a huge statement or or am I uh I was a bit too young to watch him at 17, so I cannot say anything about that. Not I'm not but, that you're old, but but at but at Crosby's age and at McDavid's age. When they were 17, this kid's more impressive. No? There's, 
Well, they're different players. Crosby's more complete. I get it. Exactly. So that's that's this, you know the, the sparkles thing on on him are are bigger than than Crosby, but Crosby is just the ultimate player. Like yeah. look look at him this year. Would you would you bet five bucks on him that he will be like top ten best score in the league at thirty? He's what 30, 35 now. Yeah. He's, almost having his second or third best season ever at 35 that's that's impressive but well and, and and look at the amount of goals that Ovechkin has I think he's got like 23 or 24 or whatever he has he scored a yeah, game he another one these are generational talents Alexander Ovechkin's a generational talent Sidney Crosby's a generational talent Connor McDavid is a generational talent and Connor Bedard is a generational talent and Mike I'm gonna say it already and I don't care if he played Austrian if he played Germany Connor Bedard is a generational talent. But, you know, if the Canadians would happen to be fortunate enough to win the lottery, to get Connor Bedard, he becomes their best offensive player since Guy Lafleur. Since oh, Guy yeah. Lafleur! Yeah. Would you, would you imagine him on the right side, Suzuki middle, and Caulfield on the left side? Uh, it's unbelievable. This is, I have this, I have this in my dream. This could be the next 10 years in Montreal. This could be the next 10 years. You know, all of a sudden, he makes Alex Burroughs a better power play coach. He fixes oh, yeah. the power play. Oh, all yeah. of a right sudden, he, he ends the rebuild. There's no more rebuild after this. You don't have to be terrible next year, the year after. It's over. You can start putting together the pieces to the puzzle and patching your team. That's it. Right? Right. And, and, and it's funny because... When my first year in the KHL, uh, we've signed a, uh, Chris Terry. He's uh, he played for the Montreal Canadian a couple of games, and uh, yeah, only that guy fixed our power play because f- for me his nickname was uh, Mini Ovi because it, it can roof the puck one knee down from the goal line, top shelf, short side. This is how good he was for shooting the puck. And before before he was with us, we were probably like mid pack on the power play. Uh, mid-season and it's the day that he show up uh we finished top three in the league only because of him only because of threat by shooting and because we were able to create way more options so players or the opponent on the pk were cheating on him so having bedar with caulfield with suzuki and hopefully one day a real demon a qb that will handle that power play yeah it doesn't matter who you're going to put who's going to be the bumper or net front guy, that probably is going to be Delius and the team's going to be way better. Obviously. Jay fed says Montreal won't get Bedard. I, I like, so everyone knows already they're not going to get him. but how do people know that they're not going to get him? They're 26th out of 32nd. They can realistically end up finishing 28th or 29th out of 32 in the national hockey league End up finishing 29th. You win the lottery. Boom. You end up getting why, why, why it's impossible. Hey, if my wife ended up with me, anything's possible. The Canadians can get Bedard, okay? The first time she laid eyes on me, she probably thought it was impossible that she was going to end up marrying me. It happened. Things happen in life. All right, okay. I'm just trying to get a kick out of my wife who's upstairs right now in bed listening, and she's probably saying, oh, that guy. All right. Um, You're a great follow on Twitter. You're a great follow on Twitter. And and I want to give out your handle and uh, Agnello, uh, if we can probably flash it somewhere 
so that everyone can see what Mitch's handle is on Twitter. Um, I think he's a great follow on Twitter, okay? So anyway, I'll show you the phone if I can here. Look at that. We should have brought it up already, okay? But it's uh, Mitch underscore Jaguar, okay? Hold on a second. Do we have it here? Yes or no? I have to get closer. Yes, yes. There we go. That's it, okay? Mitch underscore Jaguar, okay? There we go. We got it. Um, You show a lot of videos. You show what coaches are working on. You show what they're doing on power plays, on penalty kills, uh, how they enter the offensive zone. We talked about this last night. Um, Talked about it with Stu Cowan. The Canadians have a terrible power play. Their power play did get them a goal tonight. Almost got them two goals, but Jack I scored one when the power play was just finished, and Josh Anderson scored the other one, and that one there came on a power play. But they have the worst power play in the National Hockey League, and going into the game tonight, they were two for their last 37 in their last 11 games, which was like 5.4%. It's the worst power play I've seen since I've been covering this team over 20 years. What's wrong with the power play? Tony, there's there's a lot of things. Uh, I don't want to throw anybody under the, uh, uh, under the bus, but obviously you need to find solution uh, within the team and maybe asking for help or 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 anything. First thing first, they don't have a second unit. Their their second unit is blah, you know. And let's let's break down their power. But play their second from, unit tonight was better than their first. I mean, all of a sudden, Mike Hoffman started shooting the puck. Yeah. I totally agree with you with Jack Eye on top. He was doing a great job by taking the middle, uh, kicking out to Hoffman for the one-timer. And if it was not available, just I, I call it a muffin at the net for the QB. Just send it through the middle there. And you're going to create so many chances. And and people, players don't don't do it because it's not pretty, but it's one of the best weapons you can have. It's just throwing the puck from the middle with everyone f- crashing funnel at the net. Uh, but yes, I agree tonight. Their, their second unit was, was good, way better than the first one. But let, let's let's go back to the start. So mm-hmm. first thing first, off the power play, you can pick your face off, left and right side. Okay, Most of the time, they're going to pick the left side because of uh, Vorak. Okay? Vorak, in his last five, uh, five games on the power play, you won one face off out of 10. So it's like 10 or 13 person that is winning the face off. Okay, with Suzuki on the right side, he's doing better, but on the power play, they're below 50% off the faceoff. So knowing that first power play, you start on the left side, nine times out of 10, you're going to lose it. The puck will probably be 200 feet further behind yourself. Mm-hmm. After that, they don't have, like, what I'm going to say right now, it's it's not true, but they seems to have no plans. And I'm not saying Burroughs or St. Louis or whoever is in charge or the whole coaching staff doesn't tell them anything. No, but what it looks like, they don't have plans. So they are losing the, the face off. There's no one jumping on the loose puck. There's no one trying to seal the, the, the wall, trying to block the rim. There was nothing. So they're going 200 feet for, behind yourself. Breakout. Man, like I, I'm not a big fan of the drop pass, but that's, that's the way to go in the NHL. How, like they had on the same. So why, uh, why does so why does everyone do that in the National Hockey League? They drop the puck back. They drop the puck back until 
it ends up on the stick of the player that they want it to end up, and that player is going to be the player that goes with the the entry plan. Well, the, the NHL is a copycat league, you know, and I, it was probably the same back in your in your days. But if something seems to work, everyone just try to copycat it. Same thing, the the team that is winning the Stanley Cup, everyone just try to follow it, follow them, even if they don't have the same team. It's because you you try to give the puck to your best forward or your number one, number two, and you let them create something and try to create offense and get in the zone and trying to establish your 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 offensive zone. But same same power play, same breakout, same unit today. But I should say tonight, twice they did an offside. How how in the world like back to back offside? After that, they're getting in kick out to I think it was Gallagher lose the puck turn over 200 feet behind so they cannot get clean entries mm-hmm. and after that when they release the puck so it's a term that we're using a lot in power play so you know, let's say you're coming off the wall right side and you're rimming the puck hard enough so it goes side to side they're not first on puck or cannot handle the puck so they're they're under control rim it losing the puck 200 feet behind. So it's the same thing over and over and over. Starting from there, power play guys, it's all about confidence. If they know they're going out there and they will not score and they're making one or two mistakes, it's over and probably over for the game. So it started there. Let's get in in the offensive zone. They don't have a real bumper. The guy who's playing in middle, he's, he's not good. And like I've watched Slavkovsky tonight he didn't know what to do. He was kind of lost, looking everywhere like a deer crossing the road. That was not good. Uh, the net front guy is not making any kind of play, and they don't have a real QB. I love Kirby Dak, but he's not a QB on top. Jack Eye is good, but he's not like a Carlson from the Sharks or Carlson from uh, Washington or a huge. I know it's big names. Yeah. But you don't have a real QB at the moment. Weinman last year was okay, but this year, yeah. But there's there's probably Mitch. There's probably five or six teams that have ideal personnel for a power play, right? You need so someone who can do Washington, Washington Capitals that will have a Backstrom or a Kuznetsov, and they'll have an Ovechkin for the one timer, and they'll have Oshie in the bumper, and they'll have yeah. Carlson quarterback in their power play, right? There's probably five or six teams that have ideal players for the power play. The Canadians do not have ideal players for the power play, but I am convinced, me in my opinion that when you have a Nick Suzuki who can distribute and shoot, when you have a Jonathan Drouin, albeit with all his faults, who can pass the puck the way he can, uh, when you have a guy like Caulfield who can shoot the puck the way he can, Hoffman who can shoot the puck the way he can, you have a, a, a Monaghan for the power play as well. Um, I, I know Dvorak and uh, and Dadanov are not unanimous, but I, I, you know, th- they could be useful on a power play from time to time. Kirby Doc as well. I don't think the Canadians, if you take a look at their personnel, should be last overall in the National Hockey League, and they certainly shouldn't be at five point four percent over an eleven game span, two for thirty seven. I mean, that's got awful. Suzuki last night said it was embarrassing, and and you know, I think it is embarrassing tonight. I th- I thought their entry plan was pretty good. But once they get into the offensive zone, instead of settling it down and slowing up everything, it seems like they get into the offensive zone, but then they lose it, and then it goes down the ice. 
Yeah, it comes down like when they release or where they're they're under pressure or it's a 50-50 battle. They, they, they don't go hard. They're losing the puck. So they have like to work out work harder like twice and i agree with you with the the, all the players you name they should not be dead last but let's put it that way like the second unit on that uh jack high goal if i'm right that was withdrawing on the on the left side and passing passing jackie was taking the middle and shoot it and it like it was not on power play but it was like two seconds after yeah that was good and on the right side we had we have like offman the i call him the blackjack guy because he's you never know what you're gonna what yeah what is gonna get you. But it was shooting the puck like he, he tried something and they generate a lot of offense. On the flip side, the first line you have Suzuki. He can shoot and he can pass. That's fine. But you know that he's gonna he's only got two tools in his toolbox. He's gonna get down south, ready to release, and if not, you're gonna try a seam pass to Caulfield for the one timer. But this is it. There is no goal line option. The bumper is useless. And that guy on top, like I said before, previously, Kirby Dak is good. I love the kid. He's an amazing, but he's not the QB. So he's not kind of just dragging behind for a drop pass, maybe for the one-timer. So it's easy to shut down that first unit when you know that Suzuki only got two options. Let's let's bring maybe Drouin on the goal line. Drawing can maybe feed Caulfield on the other side, can maybe give it back to Dak on top, can maybe it, uh, like one power play I love this year, uh, it's from the Rangers with, uh, it's hard to pronounce his name, Trocek? Trocek? Yeah, Vincent Trocek, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, so let's say when, let's put it that way, Suzuki's coming down here. He used to here. play for Carolina and he used to play for the Florida Panthers. Yeah, right. So it's going to pop out right behind him, kind of a top circle and 45 degrees for the one-timer. A little bit of uh, similar to Gallagher tonight. So, But they have plenty of options. They don't have only two options. That's what's missing to the Montreal Canadian. And obviously, they don't have like Bactrim, T.J. Oshie, that kind of players. But it's it just, you know what they're going to do every single time. So because of that... You can cheat, and you will you will shut down them. Like Caulfield is probably the next Ovechkin, the way he's playing, like shooting the puck on a power play, but he's not there yet. And the yeah. opponent, they know what he's going to do. So their D, they're already cheating on him. So they're blocking their his shots. Ovi, there that's not Ovi is not the first option. They're going to try half wall. They're going to try a play on top with the QB. With the bumper, the goal line changing the point of attack before using Ovi. The Montreal is going downhill with Suzuki passing uh, across the the right side past the Caulfield size, and, and this is it. So on his off wing, they they need to mix things up. And I, I still agree with you; they should not be dead last with the the personal they have. But now, how they use it, like I said, Slavkovsky as a bumper. He was lost like a deer crossing the road. Uh, Armia, he should not be there. Um, in, in front of the net, Gallagher as a bumper did one good play, couldn't buy a goal. So the, obviously when things doesn't work, and it's for two years now. So that's why I said at the beginning, I don't want to throw anybody under the, uh, under the bus, but it's been two years now. Sometimes you just have to change the whole thing when – for 90, 100-something games, things doesn't work, flip it. 
but they, they, Mitch, they I believe, I believe when the Canadians are ready to turn the corner and the rebuild's going to be a thing of the past, that Alex Burroughs won't be their power play coach. And, and, and I'm going to take it a step further and tell you that if they realistically believe that they could have made the playoffs this year, Burroughs would have been let go, or he would have been reassigned to another position in the organization, or they would have taken the power play responsibilities away from him for the time being. And Marty St. Louis would have taken over, for example. But I, you know, he's not feeling the heat right now because, once again, they're in a rebuild. But at one point, if he doesn't turn this around, he will. Right? I, I think so. The the thing is, like, on my end, the only thing I, I heard about Burroughs is he's in charge of the power play. Like, that's that's the only thing. So, obviously, okay, Burroughs is in charge of the power play. Let's Google power play rankings in the NHL. They're dead last. One plus one, okay, he's not doing the job. But behind that, what it looks like uh, to be in the locker room with him, to be with the coaches, his knowledge, the way he talks with the players, the way he reacts, that's the biggest part that we, we do not know. But obviously, two years in a row, last or second dead last, it's not going to make it for sure. But... You need to find somebody that will come to your office, to Marty, knocking on the door with a PDF file uh, and saying, here's how we should play our, your power play and how you're going to be top five or top 10 in the league, and let's do it. So somebody has to impress Marty with the way he thinks and the way you want to handle the power play. And from there, hopefully they're going to, have a better power play but again if the power play is still dead last this year they're gonna ask they're gonna start asking some questions about how that thing happens two years in a row with caulfield that's gonna score probably 35 to 40 goals this year all right now even though the roster is not a perfect roster and even though the personnel is not a perfect personnel you talked about the fact that they don't have a quarterback they may be missing a guy in the bumper their net front presence is not the best in the National Hockey. Mind you, I think Josh Anderson did a good job tonight. Even though they don't have the best personnel, that's still not an excuse for the coach, right? At the end of the day, he has to get the most out of the players that he has, and he has to deliver results, correct? Correct. It's all, all right. about result. No matter no matter how, how good or bad your team is, power play, PK, everything, the NHL is based on result. If you're not winning or if you're not good, you're going to let go. Mitch, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation we had tonight. I'm sure everyone following on YouTube Live, on Facebook Live, on Twitter Live, they did as well. I know you're a busy man during the season, of course. You're very, very busy with the Ketabay. There's your avatar right there. Mitch yes. underscore Jaguar on Twitter. Give Mitch a follow. I'm, he's a fantastic follow on Twitter, and he backs up a lot with video, with illustrations, with graphics. The guy's the real deal. Thanks, Mitch. I want to wish you all the best in ending 2022 and all the best in 2023. Health, happiness, and peace, my friend. Same for you, Tony. Thanks, and thanks, right. everyone. Thank you very much. There you have it, Mitch Jaguar. A shout-out, sportbuffshop.com. Shop all your sports licensed apparel, including hoodies, caps, T-shirts of your favorite teams from all major leagues, as well as sick merchandise like this one. Emozitu now, which means here he is, or like, are you serious, bro?
That's kind of like a saying in Italian. As so our sick merchandise, sportbuffshop.com. Use code SICK10 for 10% off on all of their items. I also want to give a shout out to Ericsson Audio. You see, I'm pointing to it right now. Look at this. Look at this baby. Hold on a second. There goes my can, my 8.6. But uh, here we go. You see that? Yeah. What is that? That's my Tascam equipment. Tascam Mixcast 4 is what I'm using in the sick podcast with Tony Marinero's Tascam equipment is supplied by Ericsson Audio, the choice of musicians, engineers, and broadcast professionals. A lot of you want to weigh in, and hopefully you've seen the light. The tank is on. Suck hard for Bedard. I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. Call me. Let's talk about it. Maybe you've seen the light. Let's go. Connor Bedard. It's now time for You Called. You Called. Presented by Playground. Playground, your premier gaming destination located just over the Mercier Bridge. Only minutes from downtown Montreal and Yellow and Sammy are a master control. Let's get the number out there right now. It's one triple eight five eight five sick one triple eight five eight five seven four two five. It's a toll free number. You give us a call, Agnello will answer the phone, or maybe Juliana. It's a family affair going on over there. The Cavalaros, they all work on the podcast. It's a beautiful thing, and uh, they're going to patch you through to me. And let's go. I wait para la. Let's go. Let's go. Let's talk. Let's see here. Let's go. Who wants to talk to me? Let's talk to me. What do you want to talk about? Are you all in on the rebuild now? Are you all in? Hey, by the way, before we get to your calls, you know that you can join the sick army for exclusive emojis. This is something that Sammy and Aniello talked to me about today and Juliana as well. Is this a joke? That emoji. Emoji 2 now, that emoji. I'm Marinaro, that emoji. Or double shift your best players. So to get that, all you'd have to do is basically type the words that are there. Like, is this a joke? Would be colon, sick joke, colon. And you can get that emoji come up on YouTube Live. And um, it's a badge during all our live shows. There's a monthly fee. It's $2.99 per month for the emojis. The link is in the show description. And I want to let you know that all the proceeds are going to charity. All right. Um, We're trying to find a way to have fun. And we're trying to find a way so that money can go to charity. And it can put a smile on people's face. Or it can make a difference in someone's life. So the money's not going to us. It's going to charity. All right. So uh, we can have fun with that. We can really, really have fun with that. Agnello and Sammy, open up the lines. one 585 sick one 585 7425 Jerry in Longueuil. Jerry, comment ça va, mon chum? Salut, mon tourné. Bonne année à toi. Hey, bonne année à toi aussi, mon Jerry. Bonne année à toi, mon I hope the, the holidays were good, Christmas and stuff, and... Uh... Uh, the last time I called, I heard. Then I found out it was your birthday after, and I didn't know. So I yeah, stay, uh, late. Well, thank you very much. I turned fifty on November the twenty third, but uh, my wife surprised me with a um, with a fiftieth birthday party. 
a couple of weeks ago tomorrow. So it was uh, back on Friday, December 16th. She surprised me with a uh, with a 50th birthday party, and which which was kind of cool. It really was nice to see family and friends. And uh, she's a dear for doing that. And uh, mind you, the next couple of days after were not great because I got COVID. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had COVID for the very first time. It's funny because my wife and the kids got it, I, I think, probably about six or seven months ago, give or take, maybe more. And at the time, all three of them got it, and I didn't, actually probably over a year ago. And uh, all three of them got it, and I didn't. And this time, I got it, and they didn't. And, um, yeah, so I watched the World Cup final in bed. And, um, you know, it was kind of cool in a way, because it wasn't cool going through COVID. But I actually tested negative on Christmas Eve at 5.30 p.m. So I was was able to enjoy... uh, my uh, my christmas at least uh no complaints Did you get it bad, or was it you know just uh... look i i i it you know it, it wasn't terrible but it wasn't easy either there were a couple of days that were really really rough throat was burning like on fire all beat up uh shivers shaking all that stuff uh, body felt like it got hit by a truck but there's people in a lot lot worse off jerry so i count my blessings and uh, for those who aren't doing too well um you know i'm thinking of you and i wish you all the courage in the world so um you know i'm not going to complain with what i i'm not going to complain with what i had because there's people that have it uh have a lot bigger problems than that you know yeah i agree i'll knock on wood i haven't got it yet didn't get it yet so well i hope you don't what's on your mind jerry i'm so too yeah Hey, listen, Tony, about, uh, you know, the, 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 the rebuild and the tanking, uh, I'm on your side, as you know. And sometimes I call them the French side, they give me a hard time because there are a lot of co- former coaches or, you know, they believe in winning right away and every game you should play to win, which I agree with. But it's not, uh, to me, it's not the tanking when you say tanking that you want to necessarily lose. To me, it's I want to win the cup. Of course. To me. And, and uh, to me, winning the cup is not necessarily playing Hoffman and Drouet and uh, Dadanov, but giving the opportunities to the kids. Yes, tonight was difficult. They lost uh, 7-2, but that's how you learn. I'd rather they make their mistakes now than in two years when we bring them up. And then, you know, they're still going to make mistakes even if we send them down two years. And uh, the thing, you know, people started dumping on the young guys. Oh, we got to go get uh, veterans and stuff. But we've been doing that for 25 years, and it really hasn't worked very well. No, it hasn't worked. It's, 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 Jerry, I really believe, and yes, there's been some exceptions. The Boston Bruins, the Boston Bruins did some amazing things to win the Stanley Cup and actually go to two Stanley Cup finals on top of winning the Cup. So they went to the final three times, okay? They yeah. did some amazing things, all right? I'm going to try and think about it here off the top of my head, but they drafted Patrice Bergeron, I think, 45th. I believe they drafted Brad Marchand, like, 72nd. I believe they drafted Milan Lucic, like, 50th. I believe they drafted David Pasternak, like, 25th. By the way, I could be off one or two in what I'm talking about, Okay. So and then they went out and they signed Zdeno Chara as an unrestricted free agent. They gave him 7.5 million dollars, I believe, on a five-year deal. And they went out and they traded Andrew Raycroft, and I believe they got Tuukka Rask. Like they made some 
really, really good deals. And they never really drafted number one or number two. Like the last time they had the number one pick, that was Joe Thornton. That did not impact them winning the cup or not winning the cup. That had nothing to do with it. And other than that, I think they had a fifth pick at one point, which was, I, I think it was Kessel. But, you know, the Bruins winning the cup the way they did, doing an amazing job with drafting, you know, Pasternak and Marshawn and Bergeron and Lucic and the list goes on and on, okay? that's That doesn't happen all that often. But what does happen? What does happen more often, Jerry, is that teams will go through rebuilds, and they'll end up drafting several players at one, or several players at two, or a player at three or four, and they end up drafting either franchise players or or really really good important players. It happened for Washington, and they won a cup. It happened for Pittsburgh, and they won three cups. It happened for Chicago, and they won three cups. And even the Colorado Avalanche, Colorado had Nathan McKinnon at one. Yep. They had Landis Cog at two. They had McCarr at four. They had Byram at four. They had um, uh, Rantanen at 10. I believe Nichushkin was at 10 in his draft year. And I believe they had Eric Johnson, who was a one, albeit I think he was St. Louis. But, I mean... And they had Nazem Kadri, who I think was drafted seventh by the Leafs. But take a look at the amount of players that played on that Colorado team that were top 10 picks, whether it was with Colorado or with other teams. That's how you win. The Tampa Bay Lightning, yes, yes, Braden Point was an unbelievable, you know, draft. And I think he was third round. And... um Kucherov was unbelievable at 56th or whatever he was. And Palat was unbelievable in the seventh round. But at the end of the day, and, and Vasilevsky was great at 17 or 18 or whatever he was. But at the end of the day, if they don't draft Stamkos 1 and Hedman 2, they don't win the Cups. Well, there and, you go. And to just expand on that, Tony, I took out a list. You know, I try to come prepared. And I took out a list of the uh, top 15, like uh, Setterman, and like you said, you go down the list. You got McDavid, Drysycle, Matthews, McKinnon, Barkov, Crosby, Stamkos. It, it just keeps going. Even guys like Jack Eichel. You got you have Jenny Malkin, uh, Jonathan Tabes. These were all guys drafted top three. Uh, I'm sorry. And, and uh, of the 20 top, there's maybe five that were not drafted. Yeah. The top three. And you mentioned them. You know, Patrice Bergeron was one. Uh, even a guy like uh, Mika, uh, I can't even pronounce his name. Mika Zibanejad, who went uh, seventh Ottawa, I think, or something like there that. You go. So they're always top ten, Tony. To me, I don't understand. Yes, it could happen. You draft by Cole Caulfield, number fifteen, but that's in French. We say it's an exception. Confirm that for like what? Is yes. It, no, and, and they did a good. What? They did a great job. Even Suzuki was drafted thirteen, and Caden Gooley was drafted sixteen. And you take a look at their draft years. All those three guys could end up being top 10 picks today, maybe even a lot better than that. But I, here's, I, I really believe, I, I feel strongly about this, Jerry. You ready what I'm going to tell you? If the Montreal Canadiens get two picks in the top five or the top six this year, okay, if they get the two picks, their pick and Florida's pick, um, the Montreal Canadiens are going to end up winning the Stanley Cup one day. I don't know when, but it's going to be in the next six, seven, eight years. They'll win the Stanley Cup. Uh, but I, for this to happen, 
The Canadians, they need two picks in the top five this year. They they really need two picks in the top five. If they get two picks in the top, look, if they get Bedard at number one, and they can get even the six pick or the seven pick out, if they get Bedard, I'll almost guarantee you the Montreal Canadiens are going to win a Stanley Cup. And some people are, are, are watching right now, and then they're saying, well, yeah, but Connor McDavid didn't win a Stanley Cup. I heard the same thing about Nathan McKinnon. And then he won the cup last year. And now everyone's had to stay quiet. I heard the same thing about Austin Matthews. And I hate to break it to you folks, but Austin Matthews is going to end up winning a Stanley Cup too. But and what they do is they give you good hockey, Tony. I mean, you, see, you know, the, you have a team that's solid for six or seven years. Not some team that you make up, you know, like patching and, and getting free agents and hoping it clicks. And it rarely happens. And, and the other thing that people shouldn't have to remember, you have to be patient. If I look at the Devils, you know, they drafted Jack Hughes, number one. Houston, yeah. And it took him a lo- uh, some time. They weren't overnight successes. You yeah, know? they're amazing they're, now. They're, they're a point of player now. They're doing very well. Yeah. Edmund was not a success the first few years. His stats were pretty average. And then uh, the third year, he exploded. Jerry, Carlson. Jerry, I love what you said. And they're going to be pleasant to watch, all right? In Edmonton, they haven't won a Stanley Cup yet. But there's worse things in life than going to watch Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl do their thing night in and night out. The Toronto Maple Leafs haven't won a Stanley Cup yet, but there's worse things in life than going to watch Matthews and Marner and Nylander and Tavares. They are fun to watch. Say whatever you want. They're Toronto and some people hate them, but they're fun to watch. You know, it costs about 12 or 13 bucks for a beer at the Bell Center. It costs about $6 for a bottle of water. It costs a couple of hundred dollars for a ticket, and it costs $40 to park. I don't want to go there when I go there to watch the dump and chase. I do want to watch a number one line of Suzuki, Caulfield, and Connor Bedard. That's what I want to watch going forward. And you know what? I'll pay my ticket a couple hundred dollars and I'll pay the parking 40 bucks and I won't mind that it'll cost me 20 bucks in gas to get there. And I won't even mind that I'm going to have to wait about 45 minutes to make my way into the building because there's only one entrance for a parking lot. And I won't even mind that I'm going to have to wait another 45 minutes in the garage because there's only one exit for that garage, which is the same one as the entrance. And there's an exit. It's okay because I want Connor Bedard. Jerry, You've been following and supporting for a long time, and I'm so happy that um, you followed me here onto the Sick Podcast. So thank you very much. Bonne fin 2022 et bonne année 2023. La santé, mon chum. Bonne année, mon ami. Merci beaucoup. There you have it. Jerry in Longueuil. Where else are we going? one 585 sick one 585 It's a Sick Podcast, and I am Marinaro. Matt. In Boucherville. What's going on, Matt? Oh, uh, it's going good. You? Very good. Very, very good. Okay, so I have a question for you. Are you yeah. are you ready to give up one of our two first round picks for Alexis Lafreniere? No. No. Why? No. Because I believe that all depends on where these picks are going to be, but I believe that. Anyone who's going to go in the top five, let's just say these two picks are going to be in the top five, okay? All right? Would you trade yeah. Would you trade Connor Bedard for Alexi Lafreniere? No. Just say no. Okay. But, would you? No, no, just say no. Would you trade Leo Carlson for Alexi Lafreniere? No, but no. I would trade Dvorsky for Lafreniere. 
okay, you would trade Dvorsky for Lafreniere. However, yeah. however, there is a couple of things we have to consider. And by the way, this is a great question, and I'm happy that we're having this conversation, okay? So okay. this is what you need to consider, okay? Alexi okay. Lafreniere has not been able to produce the expectations yet in the National Hockey League, correct? We know that. That's why the Rangers made him a healthy scratch, all right? Yeah. yeah. Now, his average with bonuses and his player bonuses, okay, uh, mm-hmm. this guy made $3.775 million in, in uh, uh, salary. It was 2.85 in player bonuses, and it was 925 in the cap hit, okay? Mm-hmm. Once, <clears throat> once his entry-level contract is up, okay, this guy's going to end up going to a second contract in the National Hockey League, all right? So right yeah. away, you end up making millions. And if you don't get a short-term deal and you end up getting a long-term deal, but it seems unlikely the Rangers would sign him to a long-term deal, and he wouldn't be better off doing it either because if you're gonna, you, you have to deliver numbers first. Let's say they sign him to a short-term deal, a two-year deal. And then after that, this guy's going to end up jumping and making big money. But Dvorsky, you said you trade Dvorsky for Lafreniere. Yeah. But yeah. This, is, this is what we know, okay? This is what we know. Number one, I'm going to give you an example on Dvorsky, okay? Dvorsky okay. is a centerman. That's number one. Yeah. Lafreniere is a winger. That's number two. Dvorsky is 17 years old. Lafreniere is 21 years old. Dvorsky is going to be on an entry-level contract for the first three years. And by the time he's finished his contract, Lafreniere is probably going to be on his third contract and he's probably going to be making six million bucks or seven million. So I'm going to answer. I like Alexi Lafreniere. I always have, and I take him on my team. But I'm not trading a top five pick in the 2023 draft for Alexi Lafreniere. And to those who say it's going to speed up the rebuild, okay, it's going to speed up the rebuild. Let's say you trade your best pick, you get Lafreniere. Lafreniere ends up playing on the top line with Suzuki and Caulfield. You better hope that Kirby Doc ends up being your number two centerman, and you better hope that he ends up picking up a point per game. Yeah. Because you just passed up on a centerman in the draft. Maybe. Okay, so are you ready now to trade Anderson in the first 2024 for Lafreniere? That's a good question. Am I ready to trade? Um, I would trade I'm Josh Anderson. Trade. I would trade yeah. Josh Anderson for Alexi Lafreniere. That's for sure. That I would do. Um, how about the Canadians end up trading Sean Monaghan end up getting a third first round pick in the draft and I could yeah. use that pick to go out and add it to an Alexi Lafreniere trade but I'm not trading the Canadians pick and I'm not trading Florida's pick in 2023 in 2024 maybe hey if I if I get you know, two picks in the top five or top six in 2023, I'll trade a first-round pick in 2024. But I would think, you know, 2025 would even be better because the Canadians by then will have turned the corner and that's not going to end up being a top-ten pick. 
But I'm not, I'm going to go back. I'm not trading any of the two picks they have this year, their pick or Florida's pick for Alexi Lafreniere. I'm not doing that. Okay. But it's a gamble because Dvorsky is not guaranteed to produce and Lafreniere can have a good upside offensively. And he could, or, or, or he could come here and like Jonathan Drouin, he could fold like a deck of cards because the pressure would be just unbearable. Yeah, yeah. There's sure. that too. We, sure. we, we, we have to be careful here in Quebec. We always get excited. I want good Chenu on the Montreal Canadiens too. But sometimes when they come in the prime of their career, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. Thanks for calling, man. I enjoyed this conversation. Hey, just my opinion. Thank you. Doesn't make it right. That's my opinion. That's the way I see it. Sammy and Yellow at Master Control, can you bring up a couple of questions? That's it for the calls for now. I want to get to a couple of questions. Can we do that? Matthew Slinky, never have I ever seen a group of veteran forwards struggle that bad to produce offensively. I wonder which veteran will get a promotion next game. Well, that's because uh, some of these veteran forwards, they already know that the end is near, and they're going to be gone by the, by the month of March. Next. Gabriel Miron, do you believe that players like Josh Anderson or Yoel Armia could have their contracts bought out? Um, Armia, maybe. Anderson, no, but I don't think they're going to go down that road. They're going to end up trading both players eventually. Next. Paul Surrett, this rebuild is in serious trouble, in my opinion. Gooley, Suzuki, Caulfield, and Dak, and then Zip. There's no quality depth until we see Beck, Roy, and maybe Slavkowski. Paul, that's why we got to hope that they lose as many games as possible between now and the end of the year. Because if they get two picks in the top five, the rebuild's not in trouble. The rebuild has just been finalized, and then you can move on to the next step, which is going to be adding to the team. You don't have to continue rebuilding after that. At least, I don't think so. You can go out. You can even acquire a couple of players here and there. You can make trades. Maybe even acquire a free agent if you want. You can try and speed it up that way. I think if you have two picks in the top five in 2023, I think you're on your way. Away parla. Let's go. Um, why don't we do this? We'll take one more question. Tony Slap is getting better, me thinks. He's taking steps, more physical. He may be realizing how to play with his body a bit. Agree or disagree? I thought he had a better game tonight than he had yesterday. Uh, I do believe they made a big mistake and they should have sent him to the World Juniors. That's my opinion. He has, I think, zero points in his last seven games and he's like minus two and he's got like three shots, you know, or whatever it is. He had five hits in the game last night. I, I want him to have more offensive confidence. I don't want him to use his body as the, 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 for that to be the be-all, end-all. I want him to score goals. I want him to pick up assists. I want him to pick up points. Uh, that's what I, I, I want him to do. Anyway, just my opinion. Here's the deal. The Canadians now play Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. Of course, as you all know, we're off on the weekends, okay? Um, we're going to take tomorrow night off as well, okay? Uh, it's during the holiday season. We had a couple of days that we decided we we're going to take off. We'll take Friday night off, Saturday and Sunday, as per usual. We're off on weekends. We're going to take Monday night off. And on Tuesday, January 3rd, the Montreal Canadiens are in Nashville when they visit the Predators. We'll be back on Tuesday night, 10 p.m., same time, same place, back on January 3rd. I want to bring up Sammy and Yellow if I can. 
Let's bring them up. All right, Tony. Hey, everything's good? Everything's good. This is uh, your baby. This is your show. This is your company. Well, it's actually Sammy's. And uh, I know you want to wish, you know, all of our viewers all the very best in 2023. So go for it. Yeah, we want to thank everybody for all their support for 2022. We wish everybody the best for 2023. Lots of health, lots of happiness. And we're going to bring you big things for the sick podcast. So thank you, everybody. Lots of health. What do we what do we what do we bring in exactly? Can we give them a little bit of a, what are we bringing? Then we're going to take it away. We're bringing another show in the morning. No, we're bringing another show in the afternoon. No, no, now you're pushing it. We're going to end up having our own network where we're going to be like a radio station where we're going to have a show in the morning, a show in the afternoon, a show or this maybe, or that. Maybe. maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe. But we're not going to talk about sandwiches and mustard and relish and ketchup and all no, that no, stuff. No, over no, here. no, no, no. We're going to stick to sports. Yeah. And the good thing that I don't play golf is I won't bore you with my golf game either. Okay. Yeah. Two handicap, three handicap, four handicap. This yeah. golf course, that golf course. Use my uh, drive, use my putter, my wedge, this, that. Hey, look, all kidding aside, uh, you guys are the best bosses I ever had. Thank you. And you know that. I've told you, told you that before. Why? Because. You have confidence in me. You trust in my talent. You make me do my thing. And uh, even though sometimes some shows don't go exactly as planned and I may have dropped the ball or this and that, you don't even have to say anything to me because I know it. And then I come back and uh, we adjust. And uh, so you guys give me a lot of confidence. And uh, 20 years in, uh, I think it's it's kind of cool working for you guys. Deserve like you. you deserve it. Thank you very much. I appreciate yeah. it. All the best. All the best. My everyone. buddy, Sammy. Sammy. Make me rich one day, buddy. Make me rich. I want to thank Energy Transportation Group, 8.6 Beer, and Lacage for bringing you the Sick Podcast and all of our other sponsors, and especially to the ones, if we don't have listeners, if we don't have viewers, this thing just doesn't work. And the YouTube page is growing. I remember when we had like 200 subscribers, we have 10,700. I remember when 100 people were watching. Right now, as we speak, at 11.17 p.m. Eastern Time, between YouTube, between Facebook, and between Twitter, there's more than 500 people that are watching. SB says, Tony, you are the Connor Bedard of podcasts. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. God bless all of you and your families. It was great to meet Alain and Rashid and so many others earlier today at the Cash de Carry. I hope at one point here in the very near future we can get together and uh, we can we can we can have an eight point six or we can uh, we can have some nachos or chicken wings or whatever. And um, I want to be able to in twenty twenty three. I want to be able to personally meet as many of you as possible. I love putting a face to a name. I'd love to be able to meet you and shake your hands. And thank you personally for all your support. Uh, Agnello and Sammy and I, we've been talking about podcasts like we talk about it all the time. Every time we have an idea, we call each other. We end up calling each other like about 30 times a day. We got big plans for 2023. This year, we made some adjustments. We went with more consistency. We went with Monday to Friday. We went with 10 p.m. Eastern. We got this equipment. We started taking your calls. We went live. And uh, 2023, we have other plans where we're going to take it to another level. Are you ready? I hope so, because we are. Happy 2020-23. Hold on a second. How did I say that? Happy 2020-23, everyone. And I wish you and your families health, happiness, 
peace and love. I'm Marinaro. Ciao. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinaro on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6. Intense by nature. And La Cage. If the last time you went to La Cage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to La Cage. The menu will surprise you.